0: Thank you, Catherine. I want to begin reading the Christmas story tonight from the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I'm reading verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, "...under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field... Verse number eight of this text says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Just a few moments ago, uh, Catherine so beautifully sang, O holy night. And the night on which Jesus was born truly was a very holy night, because it was a night that transformed history. And when I say that it transformed history, I mean that there was a great calamity that came upon the world right after the very first days of creation. From the earliest of history, there was a great tragedy in the world. The Bible begins with Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 by telling us that God created the world. In six days, He created everything. And then at the end of that creation, God said He saw everything that He had made And behold, it was very good. Everything that God created was created in holiness. Man was created holy and innocent. Until shortly after the creation, there was a tragedy that struck the human race. God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. He gave him access to all of the fruits, all of the trees, all of the herbs in the garden. He gave Adam access to all things except one tree. And God told him that he could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, of course, we all know what Adam did. He told Adam that if he ate of that tree, he would surely die. And Adam did eat of that tree. Adam disobeyed God, so he ate of the tree. And when Adam did that, he fell from his state of innocence. And so that meant that Adam was no longer holy. When Adam fell, he lost communion with God. He lost fellowship with God. And because of Adam's disobedience, then sin came into the whole human race. All of the human race fell in Adam, and all were plunged into the despair of sin. All men lost holiness and righteousness that was necessary in order that we might have fellowship with God. But God wasn't content to leave man in that state. He knew what Adam would do. And so before he ever created the first thing... God prepared a way in which holiness and righteousness could be restored. One thing that God did, he he never let Adam spend even one unholy night without a promise that his fellowship could be restored. And so God had already prepared that he would provide the means for that fellowship with him to be placed where it should be. So immediately after Adam's sin, God gave a promise of a Redeemer. Right there in the Garden of Eden, only moments after Adam fell, I believe, God gave His promise that His Son would come, and His Son would come to redeem man. So He turned to the serpent. God turned to the serpent, and uh, the one who had deceived Adam, and He spoke the very first words of the gospel. He said, "...and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed." It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that was a promise that one day a Redeemer would come, that there would come a holy night. A virgin would conceive, and she would bear a son, and this would be a son who would crush the serpent's head, and he would be the one who would restore to holiness and righteousness men who would believe in him, and would restore everything that had been lost in Adam. And so Jesus Christ came into the world to be a second Adam. Charles Wesley expressed that in his Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And he wrote this in one of the verses, Adam's likeness now, Lord, efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain. Thee the life, the inner man. O to all Thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. And so God did not leave us in despair. He gave us a holy night because Jesus came into the world to change forever what Adam had done. Just very briefly tonight, I'd like to tell you about three things that were changed on this holy night. First, it was a night that changed a family. There were two people that were in that family that was changed forever. And how could we ever imagine what Mary must have been thinking and what she went through and how she was changed by this event? Nine months earlier, there was an angel that came to her and told her that she was going to have a child, Now, Mary was just a very young girl. She was engaged uh, to a man that she loved. She was waiting for that betrothal, and and she wanted to marry this man. But the angel came and delivered some very sobering news. She would become pregnant before that marriage, and that God had chosen her body to be the one who would uh, bear the person who had the power to make all people holy. And so her body would give life to the incarnate Son of God. that was nine months before this, and Mary was changed from just being another girl among thousands that were in Israel to one that the Bible says was highly favored by God. And Mary must have wondered many times during that nine months, was I just dreaming? Is, Is this really the Son of God? Am I carrying the Son of God? What will it be like when it comes time for Him to be born? What will that birth be like? And so Mary was changed by it. On that night, there were shepherds that that rushed to the cattle stall where the baby was born. The glory of God had shined around them. The angels had spoken to them. And so they came hurriedly to that cattle stall where the baby was. And they fell down before this baby and they worshipped him. And then these shepherds went and told all the people that the Messiah had been born. Well, the Bible says that Mary kept these things. She pondered them in her heart. And of course, she would have many days after that when she would have plenty of time to think about who this baby was and what he would do. She watched Jesus as he grew up. Uh, He grew physically and he grew spiritually. She would see him increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, just as it says in the later part of this chapter. But then Mary would also see this son rejected. She watched him as he went into his public ministry. She heard him preach. She saw miracles that he performed, but then she also saw him hated and despised, and finally saw her son nailed to a cross. Mary's life was uncommon. It was changed forever because of that holy night on which this child was born. But then there was also another person in this family, and he too was changed. Joseph was expecting that he would marry just another common Galilean girl, he expected that his marriage would be much like that of his mother and his father, like his grandmother and his grandfather, all the way back to the very beginning. But this wasn't an ordinary marriage. Joseph, the Bible says, was a, a just and an upright man. He was a man who had not even a taint of impropriety in his life. But now he's been told that he has to marry a girl who was already pregnant. But the angel came to him also and explained to him all of these extraordinary events. And this was a night that changed him forever. This son that he would raise, the very first son that he would raise and be a father to, was not really his son. But this was the son of God. He was the son of the eternal father. He was the son of the Holy Spirit who had come upon Mary. And so he too must have wondered about this pregnancy. uh, How will this play out? Uh, How will I raise a son to respect me as a father when this son himself is God and he's co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father? And that must have been a great dilemma for Joseph to go through. But this was a holy night and the baby was born. And when that baby was born, all of Joseph's fears were set aside He looked at that baby and to him it appeared the baby was just a normal child. He was a baby to be loved, one to be cherished, one to grow, one for a father to console and to uh, give comfort to and to counsel, a young child to be bounded on a father's knee. And so Joseph loved this little baby and Joseph became a father to him. And this was a night also that changed his life forever. And so on this holy night... There was a family that was changed. But then also, this was a night that changed the world. Let me go back to that first promise that we talked about in the Garden of Eden. Adam fell in the garden, and his holiness and his righteousness were lost. And because of the fall, God placed a curse upon the whole world. It wasn't just a curse of death upon Adam. It was surely that. But God also cursed all of the creation... All of the world was affected by the fall. The ground was cursed so that briars and thorns and thistles would grow and they would choke out those bountiful crops that were in the garden. Adam would have to go to work. He would have to earn a living by the sweat of his brow. And the reason that you have to go to work every day is because of the curse of the fall. Even Mary in giving childbirth, giving birth to the Son of God... This was a result of the curse of the fall. The pain and the travail of that, her labor to deliver the child, came about because of this curse. Then the Bible also tells us that the animal kingdom was cursed. Animals became predators. Death reigned over all of the world, all because of the fall. But this was a night that changed the world. Men and women and boys and girls, the animal kingdom and even the earth itself, would be changed by this holy night. All would be healed because of this night. In Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. But the Son of God came on this holy night to change that. This Son would go to the cross of Calvary, and He would deliver the world from the curse. People are saved, and they're delivered from that curse that God placed upon them by placing their personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who turns to faith in Him will be delivered from the fall of Adam. And then the Bible tells us that all who believe in Him will one day be changed, will be given a body that's incorruptible, made just like the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening or a living spirit. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And then the Apostle John wrote, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so people are changed because of this holy night. The curse on mankind can be lifted because of Jesus Christ. The incarnate Son of God came into the world to change the world and to lift the curse. But then also the scriptures tell us that the everlasting kingdom of God will come upon the earth and the whole earth will be delivered from the curse. Isaiah 11 says, "...the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together." And the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters that cover the sea. And so it was a holy night because the whole world would once again be restored to holiness. So it was a night that changed a family and a night that changed the world. But I also want you to know this, that it was a night that changed a man. And I hope you'll indulge me just a little bit because I want to get personal with you. It was a night that changed a man, and the man that it changed was me. There was an angel that appeared to Mary and spoke these words, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people From their sins. And I want to tell you this evening that I was among that number when the angel said, He shall save His people from their sins. And how do I know that I was in that number? Well, I'll tell you first, it wasn't because of anything that I have done. It wasn't because God looked down through time and saw that I would be good or that I would have faith or that I would do anything. God saw no reason at all to include me in that number. There's only one reason why I'm in that number, and it's by the grace and the mercy of God. And so God chose me not because of my merits, but because of the merits of Jesus Christ. It's because of His righteousness and His holiness that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And so the night that Jesus came to me was indeed a holy night because He saved me by His grace. And then I would tell you, secondly, that I know that I'm saved. I don't have any doubt that I'm a child of God. I'm on my way to heaven. And how do I know that? Well, Paul actually explained it in the very same chapter I read from just a moment ago when he was talking about how the curse would be lifted from the world. Just before that, he said these words, "...the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God." And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary and implanted the seed of God in the womb of Mary is the very same Holy Spirit that came to me and came into me and filled me. And so now I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. And the Bible teaches me that that Holy Spirit will be there forever. And he always witnesses with my spirit and lets me know every day that I am a child of God. And then He also tells me He'll never depart from me. Hebrews says, For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so when Jesus came on that holy night, He came to live in the hearts of His people forever. And that holy birth that occurred in that sanctified stable on that night, on that holy night, changed all things forever. Now we have a king who sits on a throne, and the king says, Behold, I make all things new. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Thank the Lord that I'm changed, and I know that I also am a child of God. Now, I want you to think about this Christmas of 2007, more than 2,000 years after the Holy Night. Have you been changed? Do you know Jesus Christ? Does that Holy Night that happened so long ago in Bethlehem really mean something to you? I hope that it does. Or are you simply here in this service tonight, because this is the thing perhaps that we ought to do on on Christmas Eve. Is that why you're here? I want Christmas to mean to you what it should be. And I hope that this is a holy night for you. And I hope it's a night that if you don't know Christ, that you would receive Him as your personal Savior. And then you can know, just as I know, that you're saved. And you'll also know that you're on your way to heaven, and you'll know that Christ will never leave you. He'll always be with you. He'll never forsake you. So he's no longer a baby, and he's not in that manger. He became a man. He went to the cross to die for our sins. And then he arose from the grave, and he is forever enthroned in heaven. Are you one of his people? That's an important thing for you to know tonight. I hope that you are. And I hope truly that this is a holy night for each of you. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank You again for Jesus Christ. We thank You for that holy night on which He was born. I ask You, Lord, that every person in this room tonight might very clearly understand who Jesus is and how He came into this world to be born as a baby, to live a perfect life as He went and and grew into a man, and then, Lord, how He went to the cross to die for our sins, And then, Lord, He didn't stay on the cross. He was put into the tomb, but He didn't stay in the tomb. He arose from the grave. I pray, Lord, that every person here tonight might understand that Jesus came to die for our sins. And may they put their hope, their faith, their trust in You and make this a holy night in which they come to know You as Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.